0: again welcome back to the inside out podcast we are here as always on a beautiful thursday afternoon of course this is being released on friday morning brent how how are you doing today
1: i'm doing good it's it's uh, been a good day i love the sunshine very much and um yeah just really happy to be sitting here with you
0: yeah well you should be. This is a very special time. Um, just because this is exciting, but people are back in the building this weekend, that feels it's 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 exciting, but at the same time, it's 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 a little strange, isn't it? I mean, we've been having we've been having in-person church gatherings with uh, no more than five people for about three and a half
1: months now. <laughs> in person with no more than five people. Yes, it has been. It has been such a strange time. And to think about having people back in the facility obviously is a great step forward for us. We have, you know, some pretty significant restrictions in all of it, but nonetheless, and we're following the protocols. Um, but it's it's exciting to know that we're get, getting back into the swing of things. But yeah, after three months of preaching into a video camera, yeah, it's going to be odd to preach both. To live people and into the video camera, being very cognizant of both, because as you well know, we've stepped up our game on the video side of things starting this week. Tell us just a touch about that, Michael. I
0: don't. I don't know if I want to start talking about it because it'll give me anxiety at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm, st- I'm still very scared. No, it's it's going to be great. It's um, it is uh, it's like playing an Atari and going and playing whatever the latest console is. Like, I feel like it's going to be that much of a difference Wow for people. So we've,
1: well, like- I'm quite a gamer myself. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do have a game of, I have a, I have a, an app on my phone for cribbage. So does that wow. put me in the category of a gamer? Wow. I think it does. Okay. You that's might cool. might need some help. <laughs> that's cool.
0: Yeah. I'm really into solitaire these days. So, I don't want to. I don't want to brag, but yeah, yeah I'm it's, socially
1: distant. It's a good social distancing game. Yeah, solitaire because you're by yourself. <laughs>
0: exactly. Those are most of the games I play.
1: <laughs> it feels like a dad joke. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so I'm going to be I'm going to be helping to run the live stream this weekend, and so I'm excited because I think I can still get away with wearing my slippers into our gatherings. <laughs> um, I've been doing that a couple times during this. And I'm really going to miss it. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm glad to see the people. and But uh, I don't think slippers are going to fly on Sunday mornings anymore. It might not be a...
1: I, I agree with that assessment.
0: <laughs> so how, how far have we fallen? I, you know, you used to have to wear suits into the office during the week. I remember you telling me.
1: No, not into the office during the week. In a shirt and tie? I, yeah, well, coat and tie was ne- necessary. One of my first pastors when I was just couple of years into ministry, he, he considered it a sin to stand in the pulpit without a shirt, without a coat and tie on. So yeah. that's well, a little, a little dif- different than today.
0: We could, we could chalk that up to, to taste, right? There's different. Every church has, has it. some churches still, you better have that coat and tie on when you are up on the platform. Some are more lax. Um, I think like, like barefoot is a popular thing now and some more, uh, Pentecostal churches. I don't know if that's going to be a thing here. I it's know.
1: definitely not going to be a thing here. So, but uh,
0: because because there's so many different um, taste buds out there, sometimes people can be a little unfavorable of churches. And we live in a world where you can review things on Google, on Yelp, on Facebook, and every church that's out there has encountered a negative review on one of these platforms. Now let's, let's get beyond the fact of how weird it is for somebody to rate a church. That's very strange, but we have collected, I have collected some (laughs) interesting, to say the least, church reviews from Yelp, Google, Facebook. So I'm just going to these are these are churches that are from around the country. So they're not local. So don't go trying to think of what local congregation this might be. Um, and I haven't pulled from our City Point Facebook page. I haven't even looked on there. So so this is from this is from everywhere. All right. This is the first one. I'm going to I'm going to read. LOL. It's true the bells are annoying the old ladies here gossip a lot. And I would know because my family is very involved in this church. I got a one-star rating.
1: Whoa.
0: They, they rated the church one star because of loud bells and gossiping. That's, that's, (laughs) so
1: that's an LOL right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's definitely a good reason to,
1: can I confess something right this minute though? So this is my confession back when, text message abbreviations, what do they call those things? Yeah. Like LOL. Yeah. Back when those were just coming to their own, somebody texted me LOL, and I didn't know what it meant, but I guessed that it meant lots of love. Lots of love. And it came from a woman, and I thought, good grief, (laughs) what's this lady doing texting (laughs) me like this? And And then I found out what it meant, and I thought, okay, everything's good. She's just laughing out loud that's my confession lots of love no
0: you should have kept that one yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah okay so yeah LOL means laugh out loud I don't think I don't know if people use that anymore do people use LOL anymore
1: you just read a review that somebody used I know I know
0: I know this is true okay okay here's the next one this is this is about a mass that someone experienced Honestly, one of the worst masses I have ever been to. Boring, uninspired, sloppy, and irrelevant.
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: That's pretty rough.
0: That's a, that's a harsh critique of a gathering. Boring, uninspired, sloppy, and irrelevant. That's, that's like four strikes right there. This person has a problem with um, trendier young people coming into their church building. First, First AG was once a sacred sanctuary. The community would embrace, and it felt like a second home to many. Local theater groups and clothing swaps kept the vibe upbeat and positive. God was the foundation of this church, and the members would support one another during times of joy as well as hardship. That sounds great. And then everything went downhill. The new groups that came in were incredibly disrespectful of what worship in a holy sense actually meant. The floodgates were opened and these artists, quote unquote, tried to be edgy, quote unquote, (laughs) and wanted to create controversy and ended up driving this once beautiful space into the ground with malicious intent. My heart is heavy. That first AG has become just another soulless generic space in hipster land. (laughs) Wordy. That was... That's brutal. That's that was a one star too. In case um, this person has a problem with the material the church is made out of, this is what. Yeah, they say yes, it's beautiful from the outside. Though the decision to build from brownstone rather than something harder like marble, limestone, or granite has taken its toll. The elements have worn away, and many of the finer details. Oh, sorry. The elements have worn away many of the finer details, and Trinity has become to look like a wedding cake left out in a gentle rain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Written by a poet. Apparently.
0: That's, that's tough. Um, and this is, this is the last one. This is from somebody that doesn't even go to a church. They're just upset, like, driving by it and living near it. This is, this is what they write. I was not yet a teen when I saw my beloved movie theater converted into an organization with a name as terrible and horrifically uncreative as The Rock Church. (laughs) For nearly 10 years, I walked by it on my way home from the station, and for 10 years, the location looks as if a tornado hit it. Apparently, the church will forever be under construction, and when I see through the glass (laughs) doors, all the toddlers playing in the lobby, uh, stripped of floors or painted walls, I know there are numerous safety hazards in motion. (laughs) The thing that bothers me the most are the recruiters the church sends out usually to the surrounding mall or park. Constantly, I've been stopped and pressured into giving fake phone numbers to the messengers of God. I have noticed they've gotten younger and younger. The other day, three 10-year-olds asked me to come back to church and pray with them.
1: <laughs> yes. You know, that might be a metaphor, though. If, if the, they've left their building under construction, maybe it's a metaphor that they're trying to create so that everybody understands the church isn't always maybe. being built. Maybe it might be
0: it might be a, yeah i think I've, if any church had like three 10 year olds that were out proselytizing people i think they'd see that as a win you know and that'd
1: be pretty awesome
0: i think this person never actually entered the church i think they were just upset about the whole movie you mean theater. the church building the church building yeah never got over the movie theater thing it's...
1: yep yep <laughs>
0: So for the past couple of weeks, we have been pretty regularly addressing current events. How could we not at this point? There's so many things going on, but what we don't want this to turn into is us just addressing everything that is happening in in our world. Not that that's a bad thing, but what we want to take an opportunity to do is to uh, do some culture building within the people of, of City Point Church and and one of the ways that that happens is through our Sunday morning sermons. Now, uh, those uh, those sermons are often limited to anywhere from 35 to 50 minutes on a given Sunday. Many times there's so much more that can be said. I know you experience this almost on a regular basis, but you have to go through your manuscript and painfully maybe act some things that you've studied out, but that just may make the material just a little bit too long. And so um, what we wanted to to, to to do is, at times, utilize this podcast to be able to get further into a, a Sunday morning text. And this Sunday, uh, we're going through Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 23, and we want to... Brent, I want you to take a second to... Um, maybe go through something today that, that we won't be able to get into in depth on Sunday.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So that's that was kind of the dilemma this week, as is, is most most weeks. I put a um, a document together that I call my study notes document, and it has uh, typically it's multiple pages, includes an expositional summary, a glossary of terms, etc. And that typically is three to 4, thousand words by the time I'm done with it. And then I have another document that I use to put my sermon manuscript together, and that is anywhere typically from 1500 to 2,000 words. So you could see that there's an awful lot that doesn't make the cut. And that's always painful from the point of a teacher or a preacher because these are things that I really want to say. These are things that I think are relevant and important, but they, you know when you have to prioritize time and all of that sort of thing, I could literally preach for an hour and a half to two hours, probably on every text, but that's not going to be in keeping with um, anything right, <laughs> Justin fair. I think people <laughs> would have a hard time with that. But this week was in, an interesting one because I really wanted to deal with this hermeneutical idea. So scripture interpretation, hermeneutics, yeah. right? How to interpret scripture is the study of hermeneutics. And, um, and there's this idea of particularity, that I really wanted to address because this week's text is really, really uh, an important one in this regard. When you read the text, you have to ask the obvious question is what Jesus told his disciples at that time, a universally true statement or statements, meaning are they, is it true for all believers at all times or is it particular to the disciples? So yes. Can
0: we read that? Can I read that real quick?
1: The whole text? Yeah. No, people will just have to go to it. If they're listening to it. to it right now. They'll just have to go to it and read it.
0: Oh, Can you sum it up for them listening?
1: No, they'll get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fine. Sorry I bothered you. Well, Continue. yeah, just the
1: idea that, that uh, particularity is this, that, it, that something was stated at a particular time to a particular audience or people for a particular reason, right? That's particularity. Right. So in this sense, we've got the time is kind of the middle of Jesus' public ministry on earth. The people are Jesus' specifically chosen 12 disciples that he's recently called apostles. Mm-hmm. And then the reason is Jesus is sending them on their first mission without him. So he's authorizing them to go out and do ministry, and he's not going to be right next to them for the very first time. Okay. So what he says to them is particular but we have to work through this and know okay what of this is truly particular as in it doesn't apply to every single person who is a follower of jesus um, that's not a, an apostle uh, one of the original 12 disciples and what is and so on the one hand the particularity is important because on the one hand you could basically dismiss every passage of scripture In the entire bible because everything was written at a particular time to a particular people for a particular reason right so so then you could say well uh that just then then that, that that doesn't apply to the average person because it's particular but what ends up happening then is you you basically dismiss every passage of scripture but we do know that god's truth transcends particularity so, for example, God commands the children of Israel, uh, when they've come out of Egypt, he's giving them commandments. One of those commandments is don't covet your neighbor's stuff. Anything that belongs to your neighbor, don't covet it. That's one of the commandments, right? So there's a there's a particularness to that commandment, but it's also universally true. We could trace that concept throughout the entire Bible. So when the, in the Ten Commandments, it says don't covet. It's not just to the children of Israel as they've come out of Egypt. It's to all human beings. Don't do this. On the other hand, so one, on the one hand, you could dismiss the entire Bible on the case of particularity, but on the other hand, we, can't, um, we could misconstrue um, what the scripture is t- saying, thinking that every single thing that's written was written specifically to every single person. So in this text today, Jesus is commissioning his 12 disciples, To go to the lost children of Israel and he promises them before they get through all of the towns, he's going to come back. Well, if I think that's true of me, I should have already bought my my airline ticket to Israel so that I could get going and, you know, hasten the job so that Jesus could come back. Right. Or when the Lord commands Peter to kill and eat reptiles, that's a particular statement. He's not commanding all believers to go out and kill reptiles and eat them. Have you ever right? eaten a reptile before? Um, no, I've not. I have to think, think about I it for a second. Either. I don't believe that I have. I don't think I have either. I, I don't mean, think you, I want to either. Because
0: you lived in Wyoming for a stretch, so I figured maybe yeah. that was an opportunity for you too. But so, yeah.
1: Yeah, they have. don't. I don't think it's a thing for people in Wyoming. Okay. But I did, I did like it there. Yeah. I just assumed. Yeah. yeah. Should have done that. So that's kind of the case for, that's kind of the case for particularity. Um, There's, there's things in scripture that are particular that we go, okay, that's not applicable at this moment to us. And then, but there's these, there's these, um, you know, God's truth transcending particularity as well. And that's the job of the interpreter is to, to do it soundly so that you know what, what is particular and what is universal. So that's just, that's a kind of a five minute version of trying to educate our congregation to understand another thing about hermeneutics, about scripture, interpreting scripture. So yep. along
0: the same lines of uh, particularity, when we read in our Bibles, specifically the New Testament, how do we go about deciphering between what is descriptive and what is prescriptive?
1: Yep. I think there's a, there's a relation there with particularity in that when uh, when the Bible is simply describing something, it is giving a true account of what actually took place, what was said between people or whatever. And and so we realize that's a description of what took place. And we can realize it's a true account, but it's not necessarily telling us to go and do likewise. So descriptive. Prescriptive is a, a direct description commandment or instruction from god this is how i want you to behave this is what i want you to believe etc so descriptive prescriptive and understanding particularity is key in understanding the difference between am i being told what to do here or am i simply understanding what took place in this scene
0: awesome well that's that's good stuff that's good stuff so we, we're really looking forward to getting into matthew chapter 10 this Sunday and as a reminder if you are listening and you are a part of City Point Church we do have in-person gatherings this weekend so if you have not registered and um, you are over the age of seven then you are welcome to attend in building just because uh, we're not able to offer uh, kids specific ministry at this time with some of the restrictions that have been in place but the good news is is that uh, some of those have been changed a little bit did you want to mention I mean do we want to unveil what's happening next week, Sunday, June 21st?
1: 20- yeah, yeah. So this Sunday, June 21st, which is Father's Day, first time we've had in-person gatherings for three months, and there are some restrictions there for sure. Really encourage people to go to our website and read the docs that are put, posted there, as well as register. Got to register. Don't just show up without registering. But there's room still, and so make it happen, people. This is This is great. Next Sunday, now the, the state of Washington just came out with new re- requirements, updated requirements for phase two and phase three. So starting next Sunday, June 28th, uh, the the number of people that we can have in the facility while still exercising social distancing and oh, people wearing face coverings and all that sort of thing, uh, that, that has been lifted is to much, much greater. So we're actually now able to facilitate children's ministries. So this coming Sunday, June 21st, in-person gatherings, eight years old and up, should register the Sunday after that, June 28th, friends, the whole family can get together. I,
0: I wanted to use the word free-for-all, but that doesn't sound like that's, <laughs> that's the right thing to say. Yes. Everyone, everyone is invited. We're looking forward to when the, like the church can gather in its full expression w- once more. So we'll, we're looking forward to this Sunday, obviously, but we realize there is a component missing, and so the 28th will be another great week for us so uh, whether you're able to come this week or next week and join us in building we would love to see you if not continue to listen and watch online but that's going to be it for us this week on the inside out podcast we'll see you next friday for another episode